The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You know the show, you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And it matters to me that I get another hour to spend with you today to talk to you a little bit about everything that's going on in the world of sports. Well, not quite everything, but just a few things that I'd like to talk to you about. There, there's a lot going on. I mean, if you think about football, of course we always got something that's that that's interesting and that people want to know about and we want to talk about in football. And, of course, we're going to talk about some of those things. Uh, of course, what's you know, always out there nowadays seems to be the concussions. Uh, shout out to my man Chris Carter this morning. Chris had a couple comments. Uh, some I agree with, some I disagree with it, but he had his comments and he made them. I uh, appreciate uh, hearing his input. And, of course, we could talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about flopping, a little basketball, you know, big man Blake. You know, hey, you can be big, you can be strong, you can be smart, you can be intelligent, and he's playing the game between his ears and not just, you know, on his feet. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, uh, you know, and, and the Knicks, you know, listen, the Knicks is, you know, they got something they're trying to deal with now, and the season's not even, well, mm, season could be over for them, but we don't know. We'll see if, if, if LeBron and the boys are able to close things out. But, but certainly, hey, should they bring Phil Jackson back? And by the way, Phil coming back, if he wants to come back, hey, Mike, come on, Jordan, you need a coach. I know it's not New York, and I know there's some ties there with Phil in New York, but come on, aren't there ties there with, with Mike and Phil? Hey, I'm just saying, you never know. Uh, but I but I, I want to start off the show a little, you know, I'm going to go back in time, if you will, because there, I just didn't feel that I took the time out to pay the respects to a man that I admired, that I paid to watch play for many years. Certainly who I think is is a Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer uh, when that time arrives for him. And that's Brian Dawkins. Uh, to me, Brian is, is old school football. Uh, Brian's only played a couple years with the new rules. So Brian's career uh, was on the platform of old school football, the way we know it, and that's just take him out. You know, you get him or he's going to get you. And Brian went and got a lot of people. Uh, the man paid the game, played the game with, with the kind of passion that can only be dreamt of. You know, some people talk about how they love the game of football. You don't see it in their performance. Brian Dawkins, Ed Reed, you see it in their performance. And, and those are two men there that I think are, are definitely first ballot Hall of Famers. But somebody that was there live in color, able to, to, to witness it, somebody who covered Brian for many years, uh, my mentor and the man responsible for me being here 
at uh, Voice America, and that is Henry Clay, and, and Henry's going to join me, of course. As a matter of fact, he's going to join me right now. Henry, how you doing? Good afternoon, or wherever you might be. Good afternoon, everybody. Yes, I'm here. Well, Henry, listen, you were there, too, for many years watching uh, Brian Dawkins, who, uh, you know, they talk about a, a gentleman and a scholar. Certainly was a gentleman off the football field, and, hey, he he bought it every time he stepped on the football field, never compromised, was always ready to play the game, and played it as physical as you possibly could. Uh, very smart, very intelligent man, you know, intercept, had a lot of interceptions as well, could catch the ball. Uh, but that day, uh, I mean, I got to give the Eagles credit. First class. I mean, no doubt about it. Brian decides to retire. And where does he announce his retirement? Well, first he did, of course, in social media. But in terms of coming to a venue and, and sharing his sentiments with the entire world, he decided to go back to Philadelphia and, and Andy Reid. And uh, Jeffrey Laurie and, and those guys embraced him, and, and there was a nice, you know, send off, if you will, uh, for Brian. But kind of, kind of set that up for me, you know, for me to visualize that. Uh, were there other people there in the audience uh, feeling uh, like we did? Like, hey, you know, there's no doubt about it. We're looking at a first class, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer here, and let's just sit back and listen to what Brian has to say. Well, the first of all, they uh, did have it at the uh, Novacare Complex, which is their training facility. The auditorium was uh, well past capacity. If the fire marshal had come in and counted noses, he would have been a very <laughs> unhappy camper. As, as long as they could get another body in, they did. Uh, they could have sold out Lincoln Financial Field very easily. Because Brian Dawkins brought to Philadelphia the ultimate Philadelphia athlete. This is a blue collar town. People work from their lunch boxes. They bring their lunch box to work. They work hard. They eat their lunch and they work hard again. And that's what he did. He was in the office watching film, working with the uh, training staff, working with the uh, coaching staff before anybody else. And he was the last to leave. You would go, go by the complex, and there would be Brian's car sitting there all alone in the parking lot. <clears throat> and that's what the fans uh, learned to love. You said he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a first, first ballot Hall of Famer, both in the in the eyes of the fans as a person and what he brought to the city. And to the people, I'm sure that he will be, as you said, a first ballot Hall of Famer in Canton, Ohio. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and you know, he's he's the kind of guy that doesn't. And, and he wears uh, not just his emotion from the game on his sleeve, but he also his spiritual, um, you know, beliefs he wears on his sleeve. So that's why I was so surprised about the whole Tim Tebow thing, because Brian has always uh, professed, you know, his love for the Lord, and and and, and has always uh, bought in, you know, to to the microphone and to the newspaper interviews. So, uh, like you said, he, he's a first class individual. But I tell you what, he he brought some fear into football players on the opposing teams uh, each time he stepped on the football field, which is different than what they're allowed to do today. And that's why I say Brian's from the old school because, uh, man, he bought hammer in hand when he was on that football field. Well, as you very well know, in most buildings on Wednesday, we media types gather around the telephone for a conference call with the uh, opposing uh, franchise. And the other thing, when we would get an offensive player as our guest, 
the first thing is, where is number 20 going to line up Saturday so I can make arrangements <laughs> to play to the other side of the field? And, of course, the uh, response, as Rich Kotite used to say, the cookbook response was, we are not going to tell you. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, he put fear in offenses throughout the National Football League, whether it be the NFC or the AFC. They did not want to line up and see number 20 on the other side. And speaking of number 20, uh, during the uh, festivities at the uh, Eagles training facility, uh, Jeffrey Lurie stood up and said, on November the 20th on national television when the Philadelphia Eagles host their dreaded rivalry, the New York Giants, don't hit me when I say that word. I won't. <laughs> Uh, they will retire his number, number 20, will be retired and hung to the left rafters with the few people that are up there. Uh, most recently, of course, uh, the great Reggie White. Uh, it will never be hung, it will never be worn again and everybody who will be visiting the Eagles with all of the current players, all of us are long gone and forgotten about. People will come in and see that number 20 hanging high above, and if they move into a different facility, those obviously, as you very well know, retired numbers follow the team wherever it may go. Well, there's no doubt about it that that number should be retired. You know, I actually was, I, I was one that was kind of pushing for it to be retired even, uh, you know, before they decided to do it with Brian because, uh, you know, what happened with Andre Waters was 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 so devastating, and and since then it's been so impactful uh, that his life didn't go w without cause, and we continue to focus on concussions. So for that, as well as what he played on the football career, uh, field, I'm not I'm not saying maybe he didn't have a Hall of Fame career, but it certainly was, uh, if you will, a Hall of Fame uh, opportunity to celebrate Andre's life and his way of trying to his parents' way of trying to help other players. Uh, by donating his brain to science. So I thought perhaps maybe that m might be a way to retire that number. But there's no doubt about it. When it comes to, uh, you know, Brian Dawkins and what he did on the football field, there's no discussion. I mean, the man's a Hall of Famer, and I'm glad uh, Jeffrey Lurie is uh, the, the first-class person that he is and is going to make sure that we pay tribute to Brian. He's always recognizing that number will never be worn again. So uh, give me some idea for, for Brian. When he was there, I, you know, he's an emotional man. I, I know it was hard for him to, to keep his composure as he tried to make it through one sentence after the other sentence. Uh, did he talk about any special moments for, for him? Uh, did he talk about being drafted uh, by the Philadelphia Eagles? I can certainly say this, and, and, I, and I say this, um, you know, from my own experience, you know, to play football for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, that's one thing about, you know, that secondary has always been a very good and and a very physical, you know, secondary. I think before I came to the Philadelphia Eagles in 1981, of course, Randy Logan had been an all-pro player for many years. Roy Neal Young continued on with that. Wes Hopkins continued on with that. Brian Dawes. So you always know you're going to face a good secondary when you go in there uh, and play against the Philadelphia Eagles. How did Brian express his emotion or his feeling about being a part of the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, he adjusted very emotionally, as you just alluded to. He, after he got through the the normal things of thanking uh, Jeff Lurie, and I'm not saying anything negative about this, he thanked Mr. Lurie, he thanked Andy Reid, but he, then he said, here's where I became a man. 
and you could at that point heard a uh, pin drop on the uh, carpet that sounded like an, an H-bomb, because <laughs> what's going to happen? He said, a man arrived at this building by the name of Jim, Jim Johnson, and I became a man. Wow. He said that after our first meeting, we were all not very happy because of what Jim had said that he wanted us to achieve. And then he said we could not wait after our first couple of practices and then our first trip to, uh, to Lehigh. We could not wait to do what Jim Johnson wanted us to do because he taught us how to be winners. He said that we all looked when he drew the first X's nose on the uh, chalkboard uh, with all of these blitzes. We looked and said, we can't do it. Then he said, we did do it. And uh, he gave many, many thanks to Jim Johnson about his growth as a player and as a person. And uh, when you go back and you look at the defenses prior to Jim Johnson arriving on the scene, it was just a defense. But when, he, when Jim Johnson got his program and the players that he wanted to orchestrate his program, you knew that this was a uh, uh, this was something special. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, you know. And I, and as a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I had the, uh, had the, the fun. I'm gonna say because it, it was a lot of fun. I had, I had a lot of fun in, in talking uh, on the phone with Bobby Taylor, and and I remember talking to Bobby and just talking about how much easier it is to be a great corner when you know you have a great safety in the back. And so, of course, you you, you you got Troy Vincent and you got Bobby Taylor and then you got Brian Dawkins back there. I mean, when you think about some secondaries, and, and, and that's why I think Jimmy Johnson, well, what he had, I think he thought there was anything in the world, he could do anything in the world that he wanted to because he had great athletes back there, but he had the great athletes in, in the position of which I'm going to ask you to do some things that the, the average person the expectations wouldn't be there to think that we could actually do this. But I know how good you guys can be, and I'm going to challenge you to do some things that other people would never imagine to do. And they, and they carried it out. And that's what coaches do. Coaches see potential inside of players, and they're able to push them to the point where they perform beyond even what they think they can do. He did. He had this defense thinking that he could run through any brick wall in America. Just put it up there. We'll run right through it. No big deal. Jim said for us to do it. We're going to do it. And when the word got out how good this defense was, uh, people started to say, well, wait a minute. What do we, how do we prepare our players? The funny thing is, you couldn't. You could come in here with a basic offense. Because nobody, nobody knew what Jim Johnson would begin teaching on Wednesday and put in place by the end of the working day on Friday. We would go to practice and we would see one thing and then on Sunday, uh, we would see some different wrinkles that he had put in from when we can only watch practice on Friday. We would see different things that we saw on Friday on Sunday, 
we would add a few wrinkles because the TV people were there. And as you very well know, uh, the TV people, uh, after they watch practice, they, they tape those uh, Sunday shows, and some of the information leaks out. Some of it's taken uh, in uh, what we call teases of looking what the Eagles are going to do Sunday. Uh, stay tuned here to this station or this network, and you will see this. Well, Jim Johnson would change that. <laughs> well, hey, Henry, I'll tell you what. I'm going to have to change up just a little bit. I'm going to have to take a break. You listen to Rail the Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, and living like it matters. My mentor, Henry Clay, right here, been covering the Eagles for a long time. Really appreciate his insight. He's going to give us some more on the other side of break. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga race course. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Uh, I want to give a shout-out, if you will, to uh, Gigi Fernando. If you guys uh, got a chance, go take a look at a, a website. You'll be extremely impressed, trlexperience.com. Uh, again, shout-out to Gigi Fernando and those guys over there. Uh, they do a tremendous job over there at uh, Everything they do in terms of uh, assisting and talking about transition and, and just motivational and, and, and the coaches has got some great stuff on the site. Just just check it out. But I want to get back to my man, Henry Clay. And uh, Henry, you know, we talked about uh, just as we were going to break, you know, talk about the fact that the coach was able to throw in a couple little wrinkles when 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 players were uh, of the other team, perhaps they wouldn't be expected. And certainly those of you who are in the media who were there, you know, watching the practices and, and kind of telling the fans what they might expect coming up. Uh, uh, this was a person that uh, that was able to change things up. And, and I'll tell you one thing about it. Uh, Jim Johnson, uh, that that is that was. You know, probably, you know, one of the greatest coaches when it came to uh, the position uh, within the staff of a defensive coordinator. And, and he had those guys ready at all time. But one thing that he knew, 
is that he had a safety in Brian Dawkins that was bringing something to the football field that other teams uh, they feared for. So it, it kind of it would take away a certain part of the field where you could expect or you would might want to uh, make some things happen. Brian, when it came to that zone area of which Brian roamed the field, you couldn't expect too much production to come uh, in that area because Brian wasn't going to allow that. Well, first of all, I'd like to uh, elaborate on what you said. No, not that side of the field because he came from everywhere. <laughs> Okay. It was not he is after all he's a free safety, so he's gonna roll all over the field. One in zone and the other zone and on the other side where those little white lines are, okay, that was his playing area. You never knew where he would be lined up and you didn't know where he would be. He he was obviously incredibly fast and moved incredibly quickly. Uh and there is a difference because he thought where he was going to be. And, you know, that's one thing about the, the safety position. You know, many times there are people who play corner, and, and they'll move them to safety like myself. I played safety uh, in the NFL, and I played corner in college, but they'll move some uh, some safeties as they, I mean, some corners as they get older in their careers, they'll move them to, uh, to free safety. Uh, certainly Rod Woodson had a chance to do it. Uh, it happens a lot of times, but I'll tell you, Brian was just a natural free safety. The position, if you if you looked at the position of free safety, and there was a picture, an example, Brian Dawkins would be one of those names that would be there. Of course, Ronnie Lott, you know, who played corner in college and moved to to free safety in the National Football League, even start off as as a corner in the National Football League. But Brian just seemed to do it with the ease. I guess as the safety position evolved over the years. And, and, and let's talk about this now because that was a position that a lot of times, uh, you didn't see people that looked like Brian playing that position. But this was, this was a man that he was the quarterback, if you will, on that defensive side of the ball and made some, I mean, made some defensive calls and, and blitzed the quarterback as well as Lawrence Taylor used to blitz the quarterback. That is, that is the reason I said, you, you say he, he, this was his area. No. Anywhere between the lines, all four of them, uh, would, he would, he would be there if the ball was there, or if the ball was going there. Whether it be down the field, across the field, or just, uh, right up the middle. I think if you went back and went through the Eagles stack book, you will find that he had as many running play tackles as anybody on that team. Well, let me ask you this, Henry. You know, Brian, certainly you and I know the name. And I imagine football fans, the real football fans, you know, across the country uh, know the name Brian Dawkins. Uh, It's because of what he did on, on, on the football field. But why is it that Brian Dawkins you know, was not, you know, paced across televisions across America all the time. Why is it that the good guys many times don't show up and and don't get the extra perks that go along with being a great football? You know, you always hear those sad stories about those who tarnish the brand. But here's somebody who's polishing the brand, and yet still he doesn't get all the things that he should get off the field. I'm going to answer that and get myself in big trouble. But what I'm going to say is, yes, he brought the epitome of a professional. And just why you said that, 
uh, only football fans knew that. The other people who get this, because they are out there doing doing the finger popping and the other things, they get seen. So people think that they are personalities. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, and Brian, I mean, other than Ray Lewis, I don't think anybody had a, uh, uh, an entrance, if you will, into the arena better than the one that Brian had. I, I, I think Brian goes hand in hand with Ray Lewis in terms of pounding their chest and getting ready for the football game. I mean, and they still couldn't find a way uh, to market him the way they should have. He, he, he certainly should have been the face of the franchise, uh, if you will, uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles beyond the city of Philadelphia. Oh, again, like I said, he was a humble man, he was a family man, and he was a Christian man. Exactly, and still is. I mean, we're talking about somebody who, nine Pro Bowls, at free safety, nine Pro Bowls. You know, of course, a part of the Eagles, you know, all-decade team. And, and And a man that, you know, again, he's the kind of person that you want to represent your brand and, and I'm excited about that. But let me just say this. How classy of that was it of the Philadelphia Eagles to have him, you know, come into Philadelphia. I mean, many times uh, when a guy retires, they, they just ride off into the sunset. But they actually brought him back into the city of Philadelphia and had that press conference there. Now, I'm sure Denver, you know, he, he played his last team that he was on. He was a part of the Denver Bronco football team, but that that was just a fraction of the Brian Dawkins that you and I know. You know, as a matter oh. of fact, he he was he was injured, and I I'm gonna say this: at the latter part of Brian's career, I was a little concerned about the neck injuries and 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 the head and the concussions and all that. Uh, was there any talk about that at the conference at all? Not really, and I'm gonna say that probably when when Brian when it was uh, released to the media that he was gonna retire. I'm sure that Jeffrey Lurie at Pat Bowen got on the phone and discussed it, and they they agreed that to do it, uh, that Brian, even he had said many times in Denver, I'm a Philadelphia Eagle playing for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> they decided, fine. He did a brief press conference out there, but the main thing, the thing that was put all up on the satellites and what have you would be done here. I'm sure that Jeffrey Lurie owes the Denver Broncos a big favor down the road somewhere, and he, and he will pay off. But I think that it was probably decided that let him do it here, uh, for, you know, just as a courtesy to him to, and to the National Football League. I'll tell you what, I, there's a small, small little secret that I, I'm going to let out the bag here. It's not a secret. Everybody knows about it. I wish there was something that we could do. I, there is one fan. There's one fan in the world that I think deserves to be down on the football field shaking Brian Dawkins' hand when he retires on, on, on that night, on that Monday night uh, game against the Giants. And that is, I'm going to see if you can go back with me, Henry. There was something that was uniquely different about the exit of Brian Dawkins out of the city of Philadelphia and that there was one person in particular that lost his job because of Brian leaving the city of Philadelphia. And I'm not sure if you recall this, Henry, but there was a person that worked for the Philadelphia Eagles that had posted on his Facebook page, I believe it was, that it was kind of stupid. And I may be, this is, again, I'm paraphrasing, but it kind of summed it up. He thought it was stupid of the Philadelphia Eagles to get rid of Brian Dawkins, and he was fired from the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Do, do you recall hearing that story, Henry? Uh, I go ahead. I'll let you tell it. Yeah, well, I, and, and it's it's one of those kind of things. Whereas you know, we kind of thought it was like a, kind of an oxymoron. It's like, come on, really? This is just this is just the birth, if you will, of social media, and you want us to express our comments and you want us to say things. But that person lost his job. So whoever that person is out there, and I'm, I'm not the only one that remembers that. As a matter of fact, if somebody else remembers the story or can grab it off of the, an article out there about it, you know, call me here at 888-346-9144. And maybe we'll, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that guy. And we'll see if we can get that person a, a ticket to the game that night. But certainly uh, that is a fan that I think deserves to be there because after all, you know, that's what they are. It is short of fanatical. And, and, and that's what fans are uh, when it comes to people who support uh, players that they believe in. And this was a person that just did not believe that we should have let Brian Dawkins go. And I'm going to say this. We've never been able to replace him. I, you, you don't replace a Brian Dawkins until another person comes, you know, to the Philadelphia Eagles to play that game. I'll tell you, Wes Hopkins was a damn good free safety. And, and if Wes doesn't get hurt, Wes is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. But but I tell you what, no, they have not yet replaced Brian Dawkins. And, and they're still trying to do that to this day. Well, they no, they haven't, and I think they'll be the first to admit it um, that they made a mistake, uh, and now they're trying to correct it. Other than on the football field, and the best teacher in the world is losing, and the Eagles got off to a very, very slow start last year, as you very well remember. Yes. And when you start losing and you start gut, have a serious look in the mirror, gut check time, you, all of those mistakes become very, very pronounced. And I think that all of the things that they've done wrong and that Brian Dawkins is a major mistake they made, but they made some others. They said, how do we correct that? Uh, Jeffrey Lurie's end of the season, uh, tete a tete with the media. Basically, what he said was, uh, it's time that we all wake up and smell the coffee. In other <laughs> words, you produce a goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you what. I, you know, to me, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, I, I'm going to say this. You know, Jeffrey Lewis coming there. I think Leonard Toast, Leonard Toast was a first-class gentleman as well. Uh, I think we had a few problems. We didn't embrace. We wanted to embrace Norman Bremen. He was a hometown guy. We wanted to, but but Norman did kind of treat the team like a used car, and and we didn't really embrace him. But Jeffrey Lurie has come into the city of Philadelphia. He's treated the team and the fans as his most cherished possession that he has, and that's what people feel about that team. And I I tell you what. Uh, if there was any way you could do it, you know, it's almost like in a football game picking the flag up and say, hey, no, no foul, no, no harm, no foul. Uh, Jeffrey, that was a first class move of what he did, you know, and pretty much I'm going to say the same thing. We're, we're giving Michael Vick a second chance too. you know, it's a first class move. So to me, there are things that the Philadelphia Eagles have done in the past decade that kind of put them head and shoulders above some other people and even trying to put this team together. This and we're not even going to, you know, bring that, you know, that uh, that DT. I think that stands for Dream Team. We're not going to talk about that. But but even putting this team together, they're trying to give the fans and put us in the best position we possibly can. Notice I'm still saying we to win a Super Bowl. I'm going to give a couple of names out to you. One of which is their first round draft choice. 
Uh, Fletcher Cox. A uh, cousin of mine is a uh, college coach, and he had his eye. One of his uh, coaching stops was at Mississippi State. And he had his eye on Fletcher Cox in high school. And he told me, sitting right here uh, in your living room next to my office, uh, saying that, you know, watch this kid. This kid's going to be great. That's when he was in high school. And the other young man uh, is, is Vinnie Curry. Mark that down in your little piece of paper there. I got it. Okay. <laughs> This kid, we're going to be having an all-pro talk about him in about two years. He's good now. He's going to get real good when he straps on the helmet in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform. Hey, Henry, listen, I've got, I have just got a message here. we got to take a break. We're going to talk about Benny on the other side of the break. You listen to Rayless Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Henry Clay, my mentor, he's with me. Come back listen to us on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga race course. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, you hear that music, so you know the show. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters, and I was supposed to be covering a couple other things as it related to to Blake Griffin and 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 baseball and and but I'm kind of stuck right now on the Philadelphia Eagles but I'm going to ask Henry to forgive me and and I'm going to I'm going to move on to some of those other things Henry cuz when I have you on the show I I need to be able to talk about some things that only you can give me a perspective uh, because okay, I can't I get one, it from I got something for you 10 years ago to the day yesterday some of the most famous words in the history of sports were uttered in Philadelphia. 
What were they? Ten years ago today. So we're so that means ninety two. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Two thousand two. Uh, Twenty yeah. years ago. Okay. Two thousand two. We're in two thousand two. May the sixth. Oh. And that year was a Saturday afternoon. Hmm. Okay. You got me on that one. I've been stumped. Practice. <laughs> I, Who I, needs practice? Hey, Man, yeah. we're talking about practice. Well, you know, there was some great. I thought I was you were going to say something about uh, retiring, but I, I I get it. Uh, those are great words, but I'm going to say this, and you you're going to agree with me on this. It's just like I told my great friend Joe Pasarsic, who was here in Phoenix this past weekend because the NFL alumni was here, and of course Joe is the chairman of the board. Uh, you know, I told Joe, Joe, and you know this because I, I wanted I wanted I, I want to do a, a story on Joe, and 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 what I said to Joe is Joe, your career should not be measured by the miracle in the Meadowlands. That's not your career. There's much more to your career than that. And with Allen Iverson, you know, Allen Iverson, come on, practice, practice. We, we got to move beyond. I like that. I love it. I love it. But I wish it was a positive thing about Allen and people looked at it in a positive way because I'm going to tell you what, Allen didn't need to practice. There's a whole lot of other people that needed to practice. But at that time in his career, he was spot on, and as a matter of fact, a lot of people agree with him. But but I I, I certainly but listen, I got something else I can only get from you there in Philadelphia. Come, Henry, we got Henry Henry we got we got baseball players, you know, welcoming rookies to the league. Haven't even got ten games into the league, and we're gonna welcome you with a shot in the back, a fastball in the back. Is that okay, or is that outside the lines, Henry? Uh. Come on, you got to uh, give it to me. This is just your personal. Okay, right, let's, right. let's make it. I was outside of the line, and uh, I think that what we saw was something that, quite frankly, I sat next to his high school broadcaster at Super Bowl uh, down in Jacksonville, Florida. And some, uh, he said to me, he was a very, very fine gentleman, and we had a great week at the Super Bowl. He told me a lot about covering the Super Bowl. Um, he said every once in a while, uh, Cole Hamels uh, has a vapor lock, and that was strictly a vapor lock. And he had covered him throughout his high school career out in San Diego. And so, does that justify? One thing you learn, Ray, after all these years, sometimes the things that go on in certain athletes' heads, you just drop back and say, why? <laughs> and I, you know why my why vines are still functioning at a percentage of a hundred because I'm not functioning at a hundred percent. I I kind of understand that you know because you know but but here's what I I heard today someone say that you know many times when in baseball a a player needs to be hit the message is not conveyed by words it may be by a look or it might be by a, a question what do you think. You know, and here's what here's what I'm saying. If the if it's a message that needs to be sent, why not just a fastball inside, nowhere near the head, anything like that? Or or why not just I mean, do you really need to send a message like that? If you're gonna put a guy on base, which that's basically what you're doing by hitting him. Who is runs like a deer. Why don't why, okay, so why don't you just walk him? If you're gonna put him on base, 
You know, why don't you just walk? If you don't, if you, you know, what are you trying to do? You're trying to say to this kid, listen, we're never going to let you stand in the box in, in, in a comfortable position and hit every pitch that you want to hit because I'm going to have to throw it to you. We're going to put some fear into you from the, come on, baseball. Who have you ever hit in baseball that's changed their hitting percentage? I don't think that works. I really don't think that works. I, right, so I don't agree. When we have our staff meeting, I'll give you a story about Willie Mays, the first time he faced Don Newcomb. Well, Willie Mays, the, come on now, you know what was going on back then. I think that was a little different kind of message being sent. But no, you, you know better than I do. in his head? <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Okay, folks, I'm going to... Well, the head is out. Some of this story is abridged. I, I'm not for the head, Henry. I, I, you know, the, the head is totally yeah. off. That's off. That, that's almost like a bounty. You know, yeah. no, let's not go Let's not go at the head. But if you want to throw inside, you know, a pitch, and you want to throw it toward a uh, low was, inside... Was it, was it, that say came close. And pitchers, and here's the thing about it. These, this is the reason why pitchers are thrown out of the ball game. Because well, uh, a pitcher, no, I mean this, I want to say this, pitchers have so much control, they can throw, wherever that ball ends up is where 95% of the time is where they intended for it to be. Yeah, and so I, that's I, why, and that's why one person was thrown out of the game for intentionally trying to hit another one, and the second person should have been thrown out the game for intentionally trying to hit another player. Well, you, the rule is, and I'm not saying the rule is correct, after it's obvious that they're playing bean ball, you you uh, you um, the umpire has to call time and walk in front of and make a uh, and tell both benches it's over, boys. It's a warning. Yep, yep, yep. All right, that's the rule. Now there are players. Uh, you tell you get somebody on this program to tell you about some of the Bob Gibson stories. About his brushback pitches. Yeah, I mean it's 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 been part of the game. They've tried everywhere in the world to clean it up. It had gone away, but it it raised its ugly head down in our nation's capital the other night. Um, why? As I said, we just drop back and say, why? Yeah, let me ask you something. But okay, let's take let's let's take a hometown man right there from the city of brotherly love, Reggie Jackson. Do you think Mr. October was ever affected? I mean, I know he's ran to the mound a couple times, but did it really, you know, I, well, we do it in football. And what you want to do is you just want to get inside a person's head. Is like, okay, and Dawkins did it a few times. Ain't no doubt about it. You come across the middle here, the first time you come across is going to make you think about if you ever want to come across again the rest of the game. So, so I kind of I get that. But 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 in football, what will happen is maybe the quarterback won't throw the ball to you or, or perhaps maybe you won't run the route as aggressively across the middle. But in baseball, you're, you're going to stand up there at the plate and, and you're going to, you know, wait on the pitch. But I guess psychologically what's going to happen has been a long time since I ever played baseball is you are thinking, you know, he might throw that ball at me again. And so I, I so, so, so mentally, yeah, I, I think it does factor in. Well, but I don't but think, but here's what I don't is. think. I don't think you should. Here's what I don't think. I, I think that, listen, if you don't want to pitch to the guy and you're going to put him on base, just don't pitch to him. Don't, don't hit him. That's my point. Don't hit him with the ball. If you don't want to pitch to him, just walk him. The same thing's going to happen. He's just going to go to first base. Yeah, well, this is a, this was a, uh, part of this was frustration. This team is totally frustrated. The Phillies are frustrated already? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, they're a frustrated bunch. One, uh, it's obvious that there were some problems uh, that were not ironed out in Florida. There's some problems that people, I'm not even sure the Phillies have the answer to about why some players uh, didn't show up in the best of health. And uh, I think that right now, to go into a team that you have dominated over the years, all right, and have them in first place, you're in last place, uh, in front of their crowd, and they have a problem drawing people there, half the crowd, more than half the crowd, uh, which was 34,968, I think. Uh, more than half of that crowd was from Philadelphia. What went through his head when he went out there? Like I said, it's just one of those moments in sports and you say, why? Yeah, and, and, and for a 19-year-old kid, you know, I, I could see the older guys playing games with each other. I, I certainly can. But, you know, that's a young kid. 19 years old, you know. Baseball is one of the few sports, with the exception of basketball, used to be this. It used to be that way, but now you can come into basketball at, at probably at about 19 years old. If you graduate from high school at, at 18, you go to college for one year. It, you know, one and you're in, one and done. So you're in the pros. Baseball, obviously, you know, you, you can go straight into pros if you're if you're that good out of out of high school, and 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 to be up against some of the best pitchers in the world. It's got to be a little intimidating, and I just think that, hey, this is, you know, it's a young kid. Let's not do that to him, you know, and destroy a career, because it's part of baseball. The better the talent is on the field, the better it is for baseball. And... And then I understand the pitcher psychology. Listen, I don't want this kid to hit off of me. I don't. I don't want him to hit a single. I don't want him to hit a home run. I don't want a double, triple. I, I just. I want to put some fear in him. But put you. Don't hit him. Other ways. Yeah, exactly. Other ways to do it. Yeah. Well, you don't throw it. You throw at his knees, knowing he's going to get out of there. Right. You throw inside at his knees. Nobody would have said nothing because he would have jumped out of the way. How How long was the suspension, Henry? Uh, he's done until Sunday. Now, do you think that's long enough? I mean, if you're gonna think, let's think about this. Because a baseball can hurt you, okay? So let's, if we're thinking about the safety of football and hockey and other sports, you know, we're thinking about bounties. When somebody intentionally tries to throw a ball at you at a hundred, okay, let's say ninety miles an hour. Ninety-four. Ninety-four. Okay, okay. Come on, that could be damaged. That, what's that? Four game suspension? Three game suspension? Five. Come on! How much money? There's let's talk. Five ab- days, let's talk about five the five days, and he wasn't supposed to pitch because of the off day again. So basically, he got nothing. Okay, but 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 they did it. Yeah, they hit, I, hit. I know where you're going with that, but I'm saying basically, and uh, he was supposed to pitch Sunday, so they pushed him back until Monday. And right now, looking through the windows, uh, it's going to be good pitch back again because the very dark clouds have rolling in, roll, are rolling in. So tonight's ball game is a big if right now. So what about the money? Did they talk about the money, Henry? How much did it cost him? I have, I don't know. Yeah, that's that, that's important to know too, because that that that's important to know because the the fine many times could change a person. You hit him in the you know right where it counts in the in the pocketbook, well, as they say. You know, unfortunately, you know. with with Cole Hamels, the the money could mean nothing, and I'll explain that. Uh, he is, uh, he is asked for, and they're supposedly no, uh, negotiating a long-term, big-time contract with him. 
So I'm sure that that he only uh, signed for one year with the idea of renegotiating throughout the season. So I'm sure that that money that he's losing out of the current contract will be tacked on to part of the signing bonus for the next contract. So he's going to lose nothing. Yeah, and see that... Um there has to be some. I'm not saying it's right. No, I understand with you what you're saying. I, I'm with you on that because there, there needs to be some form of punishment that fits the crime. Because in all sports right now, we're looking at safety. And I, but here's the thing about it. I understand again that is between the ears. You know, that's a mental part of the game, and and so it it needs to be a part of the game. But again, you're, you're hitting the person, and 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 you're hitting them in a place where perhaps maybe it could do some damage. You you get a, a kidney, a rib, you know. Come on, that's that's just that's not good. Well, so. uh, like I said, some some of these guys, <laughs> and you've seen it too many yeah, times in too yeah. many sports. Yeah, you're right. They have that one yeah. mental block minute, yeah. and uh, something happens. Yeah, Arsenio Hall used to say it, one of those kind of things that make you go. Mm. Yeah, so I'm gonna move. But listen, let's move on now. We, we, Henry, the show's going so good. I had to skip a commercial break, so I, I, I think I'm gonna do. Uh, let's little, go pay some bills. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm gonna, well, now here's what I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna skip that one, and I'm just gonna ride it on out uh, for the simple reason I got a you couple other me, things. You're gonna get trouble. Yeah, I am. Management, you know who management <laughs> is, is going to give yeah, me a you're right about that. We're done. That's okay, but I got I got Henry Clay on the line with me, and I I need some time with Henry on this. Okay, Henry, I I, I want to ask you this. You know, we got we got the great Chris Carter, and I'm going to call it when I say great, I mean that Chris Chris was one of the greatest wide receivers that ever played the game of pro football. Chris deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I think he will be. I think there's a couple other things of which people may be thinking about. Uh, that have probably kept him from being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, perhaps maybe uh, as early as he should have been. But 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 let me just let me just let me just comment on this. Some of the comments that Chris made, because in 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 retrospect, when you look back at a play that a person or made or should I say did not make in today's world. And looking back in retrospect, it probably was one of the smartest things this person ever did in his life. He probably did other things I'm not aware of, but I'm going to say this. And, 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 and I'm going to tie this in. Chris Carter talked about, let's say, concussions today and what's happening with so many players and how physical the game is. And, and Chris's comments, I think, was it's a collision sport. It's a contact sport. But, but Chris believes you should avoid the contact. OK. And, and why receivers did that a lot. You know, during Chris's generation, that's when it, it became, you know, you, you saw it more and more. It was more prevalent in the league that the guys were catching passes and, and, and falling down or getting out of bounds, you know, instead of trying to fight for that extra yard. You know, they didn't do that. And then, of course, we know there was Franco Harris, who I just despise for a man to be so big and so strong and to run out of bounds. You never saw Walter Payton do that. And then there is, of course, the great Ricky Waters. Who said for who, for, for what. what? And now, when you think about it in retrospect, Chris Carter, and of course the great Franco Harris Hall of Famer, and Ricky Waters, may have been some of the smartest football players that ever played a game because they were trying to take care of their bodies. And now we got to look back, and we can't be upset with them. And in fact, perhaps maybe they were ahead of time. In terms of being smart about the way you played the game. 
And so when, when we think about Ricky Waters for who, for what, do you think now those of us who were so critical of Ricky, and I'm going to tell you, I was not. I, I, I was not. I agree with Ricky Waters 100% when he said for who, for what. I understand because I'm one of them safeties back there. That I, I'm trying to take you out, you know, on a play that don't, you know, really have in, any outcome of the game. It has no impact on the outcome of the game, but it will the next time we play. You'll think about that. But think about that now. When you look at today's game, you know, and Ricky, you know, pulling his hand back, it, we would embrace it as, as oh, that's pretty inti- That's pretty smart. But back then we thought he was he, he was giving he was selling out. He wasn't yeah. a, he wasn't giving it his all. You know? So can you look at that play now as we know about the concussions the way they exist today and that was probably a play that could have resulted in him being knocked out? Do we look at Ricky different now because hey Ricky that wasn't a bad move man. That was pretty smart of you. Well, I think that one, the players, even when you played and way back when I played before the sun was invented, uh, they didn't have, in, uh, you know, exclusive weight room or extensive weight rooms in high schools. I think the athletes today are coming out bigger, stronger out of high school than they go into college. And if you look at, you go into some of these college weight rooms, it looks like the Eagles' training room or the Phillies' training room. So where is it going to end with these concussions? It's beyond my comprehension. Yeah, I agree everything with everything you say. Where is it going to end? I don't know. But right now, in the leagues, all of them are trying everything they can to uh, take away some of the violence and the violent hits. Uh but the, on the other side of the coin, these people are saying, well, they, look at the size of this guy. Look at the strength of this guy. Uh, where it's going to end, I don't know. But some, I agree that we're going to have to, at some point, and where it starts, I don't know. But at some point, we're going to have to take a serious look at, uh, you know, feeling about the health of the athletes. But Henry, let's let's let's, let's look at the play as I talked about though of of Franco Harris making the choice instead of fighting for that extra yard like Walter Payton might have done. Uh, Franco Harris would run out of bounds. Uh, we didn't look real, you know, that back in the day. I, I didn't like that kind of play. I wanted to see Walter Payton fight for that extra yard. Are the fans now going to embrace a football player who's going to run out of bounds, or they want a guy to fight for the extra yard, which could result in him, you know, taking a head-to-head collision with another player? What, what's better for a player, do you think, today for him to do? Should he be making a business decision and a health decision and avoid that contact and run out of bounds or fight for that extra yard? I'm going to say this rather quickly because the clock above my head says time's ticking. We had a situation with the Villanova Temple game years and years ago when I first started in this business where uh, a safety and a wide receiver from the University of Connecticut uh, put a hat on a hat, and the young man was paralyzed and went through uh, years of surgeries and rehabilitation here in Philadelphia. And I think that's when they started here, looking at the um, at the at uh, you know what could be done. So, like I say, I'm sure that there are people a lot smarter than me who are looking at every play and all the for all the forms of equipment 
that they can to protect these athletes from these uh, injuries. And the athletes, as you said, they're getting smarter today. They know how to keep their learning, how to keep themselves out of harm's way. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on record and say this, and, and not to point the blame, but I'm going to say it's about educating, it's about the coaches, which are teachers, because I, I, I tell everybody, because I want to be honest. When I was at The Ohio State University, Pete Carroll came in with a video that he wanted us to watch, and it was like this. You hit him in the face. If you don't hit him in the face, Pete's not happy. And Pete Carroll's not the kind of guy you don't want to make him happy. You want to make, you want to keep him happy. And that's the way you were taught. So I'm going to put the onus on the coaches, early intervention, to start teaching these kids how to tackle in a way of which you're not going to go head to head. But I'm never, <laughs> I'm never going to really like that guy who won't fight for the extra yard, but I'm going to embrace him and I'm going to appreciate the fact that he's being smart. And he's looking out for his health. But I love the game of football. I don't want it to change too much more. I want to continue to go. I want to continue to watch it. And I want to continue to celebrate players like Brian Dawkins that I'll pay to go see them play because they're some of the best players in the world. Henry, I want to thank you for all you've ever done for me in my life. Even when you wrote those things about you called me a bum. It it makes me real pressure that I had uh, an effect on some young man's life in this world. Well, you did. And as I said, even when you called me a bum, and I know you didn't, but in my mind, I saw Henry. I mean, I won't talk about the uh, the three times we called you toast in one day. Oh, man. See, See, now you got me mixed up for sure on that one because it wasn't my man hey we gotta go I'm I'm sorry guys but uh, we've had a great show Henry thank you so much for calling in it was a pleasure and uh, Brian Dawkins man enjoy playing uh, or watching uh, football nowadays because you sure brought us a lot of joy as we watched you play so as always I'll see you next time which will be the best time